Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here today, live, we're on the podcast with Sean Pearson and Showdown Joe. What can we do for you today, people? Let's start us off. Showdown, tell me your thoughts. February, Jesus, March 15th edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. Once again, hijacked by UFC welterweight veteran Sean Pearson. Follow him online at Sean Pearson. Follow yours truly at Showdown Joe for all your mixed martial arts news. FightfulMMA.com. Sean, you're, you're, you're busting out a blazer here. What's going on? Just came from my kids' hockey game. You got to dress the part, you know. Got to be a coach. Got to look sharp and you know, do your thing. Are you the only one that dresses up in a blazer, or do the other guys do as well? No, no, the whole whole coaching staff. You know, we we look the part. Kids got to guys... come certain ties, so we got to dress up too. Oh, nice. That's right. Well, hockey's king in Canada for sure. Win the game. Yeah, we won in overtime today. Big game against Markham. So uh, we're leading the series two games to one, five game series. So home game next game, and see if we can close it off. Well, for those that don't know, uh, Sean and I live in a town uh, north of Toronto called Stouffville, and the other town which people associate it with is Markham. I'm going to assume Stouffville and Markham is some sort of a rivalry when it comes to hockey? Oh, it's huge. Um, two powerhouses going at it. Well, we'll call it powerhouses, you know what I mean? But it's the semifinals going to the York Simcoe final. So it's a good little series, and it's tight. So we've had uh, – of the games so far, three of them have gone to overtime, so of four games. So it's, it's Wow. must be stressful, man, watching your kid do all that. How do they deal with that when they go to overtime? Do they even know? Do they even care? Oh yeah, the kids know. We're, the kids are eight and nine. They they know what's going on. You know, when they lose, you see the crying. You know, they see the cheering when they win. They think they win the Stanley Cup when they win a game. It's it's awesome to watch, but it's it's stressful as a coach. Sometimes you lose your lose your mind and your voice. No worries, no worries. Uh, all right, there's lots to talk about on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously, with what went down, uh, UFC Fight Night, Belfort versus Gaslam. I haven't talked to Sean in over a week uh, because of my vacation, so uh, and, he, and he was gone for at one point. So we're catching up with a bunch of things here, but lots to talk about with what happened in Brazil. Uh, some some thoughts from Belfort and a legend league. We're talking about some Kane Velasquez stuff. Uh, a friend of ours, Misha Serkinov, is officially back in the UFC. They have announced his opponent. This Mayweather-McGregor news continues to heat up. This thing might actually happen. Uh, California State Athletic Commission did pass a new law regarding fines when it comes to weight cuts, and it is pretty damn big if you win a fight. We'll get to that a little later. Tony Ferguson uh, upset with the UFC. We'll see if that's miscommunication, if Sean Pearson agrees or disagrees with that. Uh, big fights announced for UFC 211. My goodness, Frankie Edgar's on the card. Eddie Alvarez makes his return. Henry Cejudo makes his return. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later. And, of course, if we have a chance, we will. We will. We'll, we'll touch on a couple of fights going down this Saturday in London, England, with UFC Fight Night, Manoa versus Anderson. Uh, Sean, in the main oh. event... 
Well, you already got Sean's opinion right there, ladies and gentlemen. We're not even three minutes into the show, and he's already given his opinion for that fight uh, in London. Um, but we'll go back to that Brazil event that happened on Saturday. I, for one, wasn't able to watch it uh, at the resort that I was at in Mexico, so I did watch it when I came home uh, on Monday. Uh, I, I was pretty impressed with the card, but some of the results... Uh, and we had Elias Theodoro uh, just ripping into Vitor Belfort yesterday. Vitor Belfort obviously losing to Kelvin Gastelum by a TKO in the first round. Uh, and the, the sentiment is, well, it's not TRT Belfort. Uh, I think it was called the TRT Tour or the TR Telfort or something like that. But, yeah, your thoughts on Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, you know, Belfort looked good, but didn't last very long in that fight. No, I, there's been a lot of memes out there. And, again, you don't want to rag on a guy, but – when you see the before and afters, you know, before and after TRT treatment, you can clearly say that, you know, it played a major role in his development. Like when he first came into the UFC, and mind you, I don't know if steroids were even illegal at the time as far as the sport was concerned. But I remember when he fought, like, not Couture, but for Couture. Who's his first belt? Tank Silva. No, even Silva. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. First came in, he was a jack monster. He was just a specimen. And everybody's like, oh, the Phenom. Well, the Phenom was on some super fuel. And that's clear. And the names right now with the before and afters, he's got the dad bod now. And again, he's still a great fighter, but you know, father time catches us all. And it just seemed to catch him as soon as the TRT came to an end. So, you know, it's sad to see a legend die, but I don't want to see this legends MMA go any further either. That should die on the spot. And again, I don't know where everybody's heads at, but to let fighters go on longer in their career to, you know, get accustomed to more brain damage is not the smartest thing. And this coming from Belfort, who, you know, he's probably had some of his own, so maybe he's not thinking straight. But he doesn't need to get punched in the face like he did by uh, our Gaslam, you know, much longer. So he should be, you know, his career should be coming to an end. And, again, it's been a great career, but let's just call it up. He did say he wants to fight one more time uh, before he retires. And, obviously, Elias Theodoro's like, yep, I'm in. I'll take on. I'll take him on. Sure, why not? I mean, if, if Belfort's going to fight one more time, um, who would you like to see him against? I don't want to see him fight anymore. I've said that when you're done, you're done. So why do I want to see him get beat up by somebody or have him overmatch somebody and give somebody else a concussion? Like at the end of the day, if he's not competitive and there's not a spot for him, like, you know, in his mind, he wants to go out on a winning, a winning card. And I just don't see that happening in in an evenly matched fight. So we should just call it. We talked about a few things here, especially after the BJ Penn Yair Rodriguez fight, uh, where I was obviously you know sick to my stomach. A lot of people were with that matchup, and I basically stated, "Look, man, if we're going to have these guys that were once at the upper echelon um, in their divisions in their careers, and eventually they lose their belts, and eventually they start coming down, I just want to see you know fair matches being put together." Uh, Belfort, before this event here, said he he was looking at something like a Legends League, uh, where you know shorter rounds a bit longer in terms of time in between rounds, as opposed to one minute, maybe a minute 30, maybe two minutes, bigger gloves, no elbows, no knees. And this is for the you know, quote-unquote aging fighters uh, that still want to compete but can't compete with the upper guys in the division. You like this? Yeah, it's called sparring for the younger guys in the training room. I, I don't – the UFC is the UFC. Now he wants to change and make a brand-new sport. And, again, it, it'll sell tickets because you've got a big name you'll do some stuff, but I don't want to see it. You're just going to water down the sport. And again, I don't want to see people take unneeded punishment. Again, our sport is not a safe sport. I mean, it's if you're not in your prime and you're not able to compete at the highest level, you shouldn't compete anymore. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, So I feel bad, but he's got to move on with his career and find out where he can go to next. And hopefully he's planned ahead and and been good with his money. But I think the competitive uh, career in, in fighting should come to an end. Yeah, the problem, the reality, and the problem with that Legends League thing is if it was to actually take place, we'd all tune in. Vitor Belfort against, you know, like a Chuck Liddell or a Brian Stan or whatever. People yeah. will watch it. It's called Bellator. Bellator's been putting these fights on for a while, and they sell. And again, it's not all Bellator does. Bellator puts on great fights, but they know that names draw. So they've been taking some, again, it's changed lately where they're taking big names like Roy McDonald, but in the past have taken older, somewhat retired or fighters on their way out to build up a card based on their names. Um, I don't necessarily think it's the right thing to do, but I also understand when people need paychecks, they do what they have to do. And I just think that's unfortunate. If everybody got paid like they should, there would be no need for someone like Balfour wanting to hang on and 
have his career go longer. If we were paid like other professional athletes, and again, I'm not saying we should or shouldn't, but I'm just saying if we were, I don't think you'd see as many people trying to hang on um, into their 40s as they do now. Very good point. Very good point. Co-main event, uh, and we all thought, I mean, I thought Marissa Shogun, who was, was pretty much done, was on the downside of his career, and he actually is, but he takes on John Volante and puts on a very... Uh, I guess Shogun-esque performance where he was very methodical, very calm, waited, waited for the right opportunity, eventually gets that TKO early in the third round. Now, your thoughts on uh, on who was fight versus Volante, and is he still relevant in this division? Uh, I think he's going to, like anybody else, like he's a, a great champion or ex-champion. He's going to give anybody a run, but I think his time in the division is done. I don't think he can put together four or five wins at a high level. So, again, he's in a similar situation to Belfort, and, you know, he can still be competitive. So I understand how hard it is to step away from a sport when you're still competitive. But someone's got to, you know, someone in their corner has got to say, listen, there's better things you can do. We can do more with your life. But the difficult situation is stepping away from the limelight, stepping away from the money, stepping away from the rush. Um, It's a difficult situation for a lot of people. I've watched this in boxing. For many years, like I always wondered, why is Roy Jones still fighting when I'm hoping he doesn't have to? But that's if that's what you know, if that is your life, how do you just walk away? And it's really unfortunate. But I think a lot of these guys have fought their entire lives and have done nothing else. So this is in them. This is who they are. This is what they are. Uh, they've yet to realize that there's so much more than just a fighter. And I think that's what they have to realize. Um, it t- it take me to a point where the UC used to have these summits. Uh, did you ever go to the one of those summits? Yeah, I went to one of the summits. Did they ever talk about, you know, finances and financial and, and what to do with your money when you make a lot of money? Yes and no. Um, the, the problem with that is most of the guys at the summit from when I was in, again, I'm sure everybody was there, but most of us weren't making a lot of money. So, and for, so I'm in a different situation than a lot of the fighters. Like I understood taxes and, and these things. And again, there, there was still some sound advice going around. And maybe they took other candidates that were in the running, like a, you know, a young Conor McGregor or you know, a Chuck Liddell, and gave them better advice. But, you know, again, we got the fundamentals and the basics. But I feel like the, the summit at that time was new, and it was just there to say that, hey, we, we did this for you. Because I remember the drug testing portion of it was just like, I mean, it was almost like, well, I remember when I went to it, it was like they thought we were selling drugs. I'm like, well, that's not the, the real issue here. But... um. Yeah, the summit's a great idea, but I, they had it once for my whole time in the UFC. And then I know when I was just leaving the UFC, they were having another one for some of the young and upcoming fighters. Yeah, I think it's very important. I think all professional athletes, uh, and I'm talking NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, uh, F1, it, whatever athlete may be, UFC, uh, boxers, should all have some sort of system where they're told how to deal with their money when you get a lot of money what to do with that money and you know I, I know a thing or two about money now obviously with uh with my mortgage license and stuff like that and dealing with a lot of finances the last thing you want to do ladies and gentlemen is leave your money in the bank uh because if your money can make money for you you never have to work again uh I, I, I these fighters when they get these big paychecks uh there's a lot of ways you could make your money now work for you uh, and i wish there was the opportunity for the fighters was there to be told this kind of information. Uh, but we move on, and hopefully Mirza Shogun, who, like you mentioned, uh, did good stuff with his money. I know, for example, Mirko Krokop uh, did fantastic stuff with his money over in Croatia. Lots of real estate, lots of investments, making a lot of money. He just fights because he wants to fight. Uh, he gets big paydays. Um, but we move on now. Lightweight division, Edson Barbosa. I think John Anik's call was absolutely fantastic uh, as soon as that fight came to an end versus Benil Dariush. When he said another real, uh, another highlight for the real. I mean, this guy here, Edson Barboso, when he loses fights, he loses fights. But when he wins, man, this guy p- just p- puts on spectacular finishes. That was, um, that was the bat flip. That was the Batista bat flip for me. He hit that, just walk off bat flip. I'm like, that was a home run. So, people that don't know for the Blue Jays, the Batista bat flip, but that's what Barbosa's knee was to me. I, I saw that and I'm like, just walked away. You just, he didn't even need to throw another punch. It was done. It's funny you mentioned the bat flip because uh, yesterday, obviously, the bat flip pissed off all the Texas Rangers and their fans, especially Odor, who eventually, you know, punched out Batista when Batista tried to take his legs out at second, uh, and then Batista, then we, and then Odor screws up uh, in the playoffs last year. But yes, or yesterday, I think it was yesterday, the day before, Odor had a bat flip 
uh, of his own, and it was embarrassing because a stand-up single. He did a bat flip with a stand-up single. Now, I don't like getting political when it comes to uh, other sports, political in general, but I laughed my face off. I'm like, dude, that was your bat flip, and it was a stand-up single. You should have had at least a double on that. Hey, you caught in the moment. You get cocky. It happens. I, I was still entertained. You know, I, I thought it was a big F you, but I mean, I was entertained. When he hit the ball, I'm like, Phew. and then when it didn't go, it was just a little bit of a chuckle. Like, uh, <laughs> he got ripped on a lot of television shows here uh, in Toronto, ladies and gentlemen, but that's just standard. That's just uh, bread and butter for the media here on television when it comes to Odor and stuff like that. Uh, but Edson Barbosa's finish. I mean, this guy here, uh, I think the, when you think about it, Dariush was doing a good job. The, the book on, on Barbosa is to put as much pressure on him as you can. Do not give him the space. Uh, you can't let him tee off when he's moving backwards as well with those leg kicks. Uh, but if you put the pressure on him too much now, he throws a knee in your face. I mean, this guy here, uh, and he's asking for a rematch with Ferguson, but Ferguson's calling out Nate Diaz. I mean, this division continues to be a mess, despite the fact that, you know, we all want to see Ferguson versus uh, Nurmagomedov. We don't know when Nurmagomedov's coming back, but, you know, I, I, what do you make of all the stuff here? Guys calling out other guys. I mean, Kevin Lee on the undercard calls out Nurmagomedov. Like, it's just like, okay, I get you want to call people out. Fantastic, but it's got to be more relevant i guess well the funny thing is all these guys are relevant you know what i mean i the problem is with habib not making weight it, it opened the door here right there habib was clearly the number one the, in my mind ferguson clearly the number two but now with no fight ferguson wants a fight habib has no right to call out anybody right now um and i don't know how he stands kevin lee he wants a piece um i think he what's he got one loss maybe two but uh, he's been on a tear. Um, and that's the way the UFC wants it. That's the way we get good, exciting fights. So part of me says rankings don't mean shit. The other part's like, you know, let's, let's just figure it out as long as these people are relevant because we're listening. So it, it's somewhat relevant. You mentioned rankings mean shit. I mean, the, the reality is we can't take these rankings serious anymore because they don't make sense. I mean, you, you when it comes to matchmaking, you want to put, the guys in the top 10 against the guys in the top 10, the guys towards the bottom against the guys from 11 to 15 and, and stuff like that. But it, it just, at this point here, even the belts sometimes, the belts don't make sense when you think about it. Guys are getting title shots. They should never have gotten title shots. Uh, but it's sports entertainment, like you've mentioned before. Uh, like, what do we do with these rankings? I mean, do they actually mean I, anything? Should we keep them? What's up? People don't even know how to rank. And I remember I used to rip you back in the day because you used to do rankings for someone, I believe, Weren't you doing rankings back then? Was it you I was ripping? Could have been me. I screwed up a couple of rankings before when I put guys uh, that left the division but stayed on. I want to see them fight again in that division, but yeah. No, but the reason why I rip people on rankings is because I hate the, the idea that if I'm the number seven guy and I fight the number three guy, just because I beat the number three guy doesn't make, I'm the, I'm the, doesn't make me number three. And that's how everybody does the rankings. Do you mean it? The truth of the matter is that might have been a good matchup for me. If, what if I win by fluke? Why do I get bumped to number three? It never makes sense like that. that. That's disrespectful to the four, the five, and the six. You can't just switch guys over. That means obviously the number three guy is going to drop and the number seven guy is going to move up, but they just don't switch spots like that. Um, and that used to be my biggest problem with rankings because I look at hockey. Hockey is an easier way to look at this because, you know, there's so many more games. You look at any sport, right? The Toronto Maple Leafs can beat the Chicago Blackhawks, the year they win the Stanley Cup, but just because they won that game, they don't jump them in rankings. Do you mean like there's not, that's a problem with fighting, right? That's you win, you move up, you lose, you go down. But I don't know, I just don't think rankings are that relevant. You know what I mean? You, you know if someone's in the top 10, top 20. And I, again, I think what people just want to see is exciting fights, and the UFC's figured that out. So let's just go with it. They can put any rankings they want up there. And, you know, we've talked about this a million times again. It is what it is. People can rank anybody what they want, but at the end of the day, we've got favorite fighters and people we want to see fight, and we'll just go from there. Yeah, I guess the, the argument there would be that you know people look at, for example, you give the number three versus the number seven. The number three, for example, when you're when you are ranked at a certain position, it's like having a belt. I'm the number three guy in the world. I'm defending 
the fact that I'm number three in the world. And if number seven beats number three, he then becomes number three. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And that's where the, the mentality is. The thing is, though, if you move the guy number three down to four or number five and seven only goes up to number five or number six, it's like, well, wait a second. He's still ranked lower than him, but he beat him. So why is he ranked lower than him? Okay, that's the so, argument. Yeah, so the argument to me is let's go three and seven again, where let's say number three destroys this guy for 14 minutes. And then number three gets caught with 30 seconds left and loses the fight. So I understand if you want to flip three and seven a little bit, but if I'm the number four guy, I'm like, why does this guy rank above me? Do you know what I mean? Like maybe number four lost to number three in a split decision. I, I don't know. Again, it's rankings. There's no set rule in these things. So we can both argue and a bunch of people are going to argue your way. A bunch of people are going to argue my way. It's irrelevant. At the end of the day, we just all want to see good fights. And that's why I just think the rankings are too anonymous and there's no set way to rank it I, I didn't mind it when i guess like 10 different media sources you know qualified media sources rank their fighters but again what's what they're going to do what's best for them like who if i'm a media center if i'm you know showdown joe's media i'm going to rank the guys that i want to watch fight because everybody has a favorite or a, a bias to who they want to watch fight do you know how many times i've watched a fight and been strayed one way or another by joe rogan's and now, see, and this isn't a slight Joe Rogan. He's doing his job. He's making it interesting. But try watching a fight on the, with that TV on mute. All the time. You, you <laughs> Do it all the time. And, and it's completely different. You know what I mean? I just, again, that's not, again, it's, their job is to make this interesting. So they're going to talk to you about it and give you insight, and it makes it interesting. But it's not always, they, they're seeing a fight sometimes differently than I'm seeing a fight. Do you know what I mean? The difference between punches landed, and another one, the fight stats. I think the fight stats are bogus. You know, I've seen things where, oh, 46 significant strikes. Well, how is that significant? What was the difference between a strike and a significant strike? Who deciphered that? Do you know what I mean? It, because jab, it was a, I think it's jab versus cross versus hook versus uppercut uh, versus uh, head damage. Uh, leg strikes are considered significant strikes. Um, yeah, a, a jab is not a significant strike, even if it knocks somebody out. It's not a significant strike. So, or, yeah, it's 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 pretty complicated. I know what you're saying. That, that's what I mean. So it's tough. Like to me, a solid jab on somebody that stops someone stiff—that's a significant strike. You throw a, a right hand and you graze me; it's not significant. You barely touched me. You know what I mean? So again, I I don't know. I look at those stats sometimes, and I'm like, I throw those at the window too. I'm like, that's bogus. So. Yeah. You mentioned something kind of cool though. You mentioned when you when you brought up the hockey analogy when it comes to rankings because. What if you look? I'm 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 thinking out loud. Uh, obviously, put, haven't put any thought to it because you just mentioned it moment moments ago. But putting points to fighters: if you win, you get X amount of points. If you lose, you get X amount of points. And if it's a draw, it's it's certain amount of points. If you win via submission, you get more points. And then fighters can be ranked via points. Um, you know I, that could work too. At the end of the day, though, does anyone want to follow it? That's well, we're caught in this dilemma where. Some people want to see rankings because they want to see the top-ranked fighters fight. Other people just want to see the fighters that either put on good shows or talk their way around, like Chael. Chael's been great at it. And again, he's the, the first Conor McGregor-type guy to get in people's heads and make people want to watch him fight. And he, lucky for him, and when I say lucky, I mean that fight he lost to Anderson Silva was unlucky, but that really put him on the map. Like he actually took him to Anderson in that first fight and then talked himself in almost every fight since that point. And I don't think he actually got exposed since that fight. He, he, he exposed Anderson there, but then he had got exposed after that. But you know, the gift of the gab and the willingness to take opportunities got him a lot of big paydays. Absolutely. Um, I don't think Ray Borg is going to be getting a big payday anytime soon because he's in a division that is run, owned, uh, and just undisputed champion in, in, in Demetrius Muddy Mouse Johnson. But Ray Borg, a couple of fights ago, was being laughed at by the vast majority of people uh, that are watching the sport. Uh, a lot of us gave him credit, just didn't think he was that good. And he goes out and takes out Juice Formiga, who was basically going to be somewhere in line for a title shot. Uh, that's a fight that screws up the division, and we all know that you know, DJ is now fighting Wilson Heiss. And most people are like, Wilson who? Well, Wilson Heiss, Heiss, whatever you want to call him. He's getting the title shot. I mean, this division's a mess, in my opinion, Sean. With a guy that's that dominant as a champion, it's a bit of a mess. Yeah, no one cares about this division. We all like Mighty Mouse. And I think Mighty Mouse should just start doing super fights. 
You know what I mean? Like, I think that's where he's got to start looking for for himself because he's not drawing with these other fights because we all just assume it's in this match until it's not. You know what I mean? So I think he should be trying to move up a division, call the champion there, start doing a little Conor McGregor stuff, unless he's comfortable with his paychecks and he, he's happy. But, um, you know, I think he can give the upper weight classes some some problems with his speed and his style. But, again, he might know more than me in that, that sense. But he should be looking for bigger paydays right now. Dude, I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I think you're absolutely bang on, especially the way the UFC is going right now. DJ should be doing super fights, you know, whether it's Cordy Garbrandt or whether it's Dominic Cruz, a rematch or whomever. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, bring him up to 135 or, you know, 130 pounds, whatever can happen. But yeah, I, I think you're absolutely bang on. Uh, I know you weren't too impressed with uh, the after effects or after moments of the Marla or Marion Renault Betch Correa fight, the one that went to a majority draw. Uh, I'm not saying that fight wasn't exciting. Uh, I did tune out a couple times, taking care of some other stuff, but tried to watch it and was like, okay, whatever. Then I went to a draw and I was just like, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I don't have much to say about the fight. It wasn't much for me. And again, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, first of all, I saw um, Rousey destroy that girl. So again, I, <laughs> I don't know. And then the dance afterwards, I was just, I just started laughing. I was like, my God, you, you just, you thought you won the fight that, that dance. I don't know. It was just almost offside. I'm like, Oh my God, this is a great look for the UFC on Fox right now. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. Uh, a great look for a cowboy, Alex Oliveira, uh, who has his rematch with Tim means and Tim means before the fight saying, yeah, you know what? I threw that illegal knee disqualify me. I don't care what you think, but Alex Oliveira got his revenge. Uh, two minutes and thirty, two minutes and thirty-eight seconds into the second round, lands that rear naked choke. I thought Tim Means was going to fight that off. He didn't really fight it off that much. I think must have been on tight. But good on Cowboy Alex Oliveira. Yeah, I don't know. We, the funny thing with that kind of stuff, you never know what frame of mind a guy's in. You know, when he's in the rear naked choke, like a lot of times we look at him like, why are they not fighting? Like, what's going on here? But you know, if their if their bell's a little bit wrong, overly gassed, you're just not thinking the way you could. If it was a straight grappling match, usually guys are like, oh, I got this, but. A lot of times we, we look from the outside and we think, you know, this guy, he's incorrectly defending himself. But you don't know what's going through his head or, you know, if anything's going through his head at that point. You know, because when fatigue sets in or when you've been hit a couple times, you know, your, your mind isn't always in the right spot when you're put in those situations. So... I don't know if you had a chance to watch the prelims, but I do want to talk about Kevin Lee for a moment because he took on Francisco Trinaldo, who's a very well-respected fighter uh, around the world. Kevin Lee was taking an ass-whooping in that fight, uh, but does come back in the second round. He scores his own rear naked choke. Uh, and I think it says a lot. Um, I know I'm preaching to the choir because every time you fought, you used to drive me absolutely nuts because somewhere in the third round, you'd get rocked. And I'm like, Jesus, Sean, come on. But you always showed heart. I think it's extremely important, as bad as it sounds. And I had this argument with a mutual friend of ours, uh, Adrian Woolley, uh, after one of his fights that he got beat up, but he, he won the fight did a good job coming back. And he's like, dude, I showed heart. I'm like, yeah, but you took a beating. But in a way, it's good because, listen, guys, Kevin Lee, if he wants to move up in this division, he's got to show heart because to move up at 155 pounds, you're going to get hurt. And you got to be able to show that, you know what, I can come back. I've got to have some sort of resolve in terms of coming back and, and winning fights and, and, and staying alive. It's a great asset to have. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, I love to say, oh, Sean's got, you got so much heart. You got huge balls. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's all fine and dandy. I'd much rather you know, knock somebody out in the first round. But unfortunately, you know what I mean? For me, I'm going into the third. I'm freaking 40 years old. And <laughs> you mean, there there it goes. You know, you just survive, you do your thing, and you, you throw everything on the line and say, I'm not giving up. So it, it does show a lot, but it's not something you want to do for a long time. And that's one of the reasons why, for me, it was like, I can't go through wars like that. And I don't want to see Kevin Lee go through a bunch of wars like that. So to show it once or twice, all the power to you. I remember the Shogun versus Henderson fight. Oh, the first Greatest one? fight ever, but yeah, I'm like, I felt bad for both guys afterwards. I'm like, you took five years off each other's lives. You know, you both had four or five concussions that fight. It's great yeah. to watch as a fan, but as an athlete, I look and I'm like, you know, I feel, you know, I feel bad for, especially if you lose that fight, you know, with all that heart you showed them and you still lose them. Like, that's a tough, it's a tough go. Yeah, still one of the greatest fights ever of all time. Fantastic. Uh, you, you mentioned guys that have taken uh, some punishment. Josh Berkman um, lasted a minute and 41 seconds versus Michelle Prezeris. 
Uh, Berkman said he's not retiring. Uh, I'm of the belief that this guy needs to hang up his gloves. Yeah, he's got he's got to hang him up but again. He's had a good career, um, done a lot of cool things. I think he even dated Ariane Celeste. Like, I'm like, just ring it up, man. Like, you, you did well for yourself. You know what I mean? You should call it up. And again, it's just because, again, I don't like to see guys hang on too long and put themselves in shitty situations. Um, again, I don't know where any of these people are financially in their lives and what else they have. And I understand the love for fighting because I still have it myself. But at the end of the day, I understand that I have kids and I've got more responsibilities outside of my own desire to, to compete and be like that. So I think a lot of these guys, I just think they need a good advisor, you know, behind them or a good woman to say, listen, you know, you're Superman to me. You don't have to prove it anymore, you know, and hang it up. Cause they get for, for Berkman, the thing is he's never going to be champion of this weight class. And that's not me being negative. It's me being realistic now. I mean, he's got a couple losses in a row. So, to me, why are you doing it? Are we just doing it for the money? Because that's the wrong reason to be fighting. I've known you for quite some time. Uh, I also know that you don't drink. Uh, you're pretty straight edge, very clean. Uh, but I know you've got an edge to you. Uh, and it doesn't take much to rile up Sean Pearson, ladies and gentlemen. He's, he's, he's calmer now. I'll, I'll say this because about 10 years ago, you don't want to, you don't even want to dare Sean Pearson to do anything because he would just do it because he's Pearson. Let's just let's be honest. You talk to any one of our mutual friends, and they're like, it's Pearson, like whatever. But I got to ask you, Sean, you're, you're out of the sport now. Um, you're always going to be considered a professional athlete. I know you laughed at you. You got back in the gym uh, recently and were like, what the heck's going on with my body and my wife? Uh, my wife is hotter than me or whatever. But whatever you mentioned on the last podcast, I get that. But do you ever have the edge or the, the itch sometime when someone's out of line, not necessarily at your kid's hockey game, but just in public in general, when you're looking at someone, it's like, yeah, I, I really want to just pummel this guy. I want to beat the shit out of people every day, but that's my whole life I've been like that. I, it doesn't mean I have to do it. You know what I mean? Like, there's always someone who annoys you, and you think to yourself, I just want to slap you in the face. But then, you know, the other edge of me comes out and says, okay, let's, let's be smart and not go to jail. But, I, you know, it's not that cut and dry. But, again, I'm, it takes a lot to get me to go over the edge now when before I would do it for fun. Even before that was it was who I was, you know what I mean? It's who I was known for. You know, Sean walking naked to the, you know, the Harveys and I'd oh, cool, no problem. I'd go in naked. It, that was actually that, a Burger King. It was a Burger King. But you know, that was <laughs> I was like, there for that. That was terrible. Terrible. Young and stupid, but again, it was just fun. It wasn't about anything. And even when you I if I did fight outside of the UFC, although it never happened. It wasn't because I wanted to hurt somebody. It was because two people wanted to fight. And that, when I was a young kid, I would be like, sure, I'm in. Let's do it. And there would be, you know. I'm just glad because, you know, I've been in my fair share of, uh, let's just say, fisticuffs. And what, what, what humbled me was when I actually started training real mixed martial arts, like real jujitsu, real boxing, real Muay Thai, and realized, oh, my God, I've been getting into fights, and these guys would kill me. And I used to, and we have a friend, um, I think his name was Jeff Herdman, who told me stories about you in, in university, and I'm like, my God, I, I would never have backed down from Sean Pearson, and he would have absolutely murdered me. So thankfully, I took martial arts, uh, or got into mixed martial arts and realized eh, if you're going to fight, man, just fight in the gym because there's some dudes like Sean Pearson that are out there that would dummy you. Do you ever get into a situation where you're like, this is not going to be pretty? Or is it always like, I'm going to destroy this guy. I don't care what happens here. I've never been in a street fight. Very good that's point. What, that's what I tell my kids. There's been situations that were... An arranged moment of scheduled violence. Yeah, things got ugly. That's the nature of the beast. I'm sure if you ask any or almost anybody who's in this sport that have been in those situations, especially before now, again, the, the younger generation of guys, it's different. You know, there were no cameras, no cell phones, you know, that kind of stuff for me growing up. You know what I mean? The cell phones were, you know, the size of a suitcase. <laughs> the so, brick. Yeah. So, you know, if someone had one of those, everybody knew. So, you know, things were just different. Um, yeah, society is different now. People are different. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't advise anyone to be getting in fights. Well done. I, 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 I don't know what happened to Sean Pearson, but Sean Pearson, uh, some, someone just got into his body for a second, but he'll be back momentarily, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Misha Sirkinov, our boy, is back with the UFC. 
He wanted Shogun. That's what he called out after his fight in December in Toronto. But instead, he got uh, Volkan Uzdemir, uh, who went from Titan FC to the UFC, uh, emerges victorious against OSP in his very first fight. Guess puts his name on the map, but he's only had one fight in the UFC. And uh, Sirkinov has to fight him uh, all the way over at UFC Fight Night 109 in Sweden. Your thoughts on that one? I don't know. I'm caught between two places here. So one part of me says Misha's got the greatest manager in the world because he's fighting another pretty much nobody. Now, the problem with fighting a pretty much nobody means is that you have everything to lose and not as much to gain. But technically, it should be an easier fight for him. I'm not saying it's an easy fight, but I'm saying the guy's had one fight in the UFC. He looked good. So I don't know. I think what's Misha, 4-0? I believe so. I believe he's 4-0, yeah. Four zero in the UFC versus a one nil in the UFC. Like to me, you know, it seems like you're getting an easy fight. On the other hand, you're getting a guy who just took out OSP, who's only got one win. So is he? Are they looking to build him off your career? Which means you've got the worst manager in the world. Maybe you would have rather had the Shogun fight. So he's his own manager, by the way. He's the one that negotiated the contract to UFC. Believe that. So again, I don't. I don't know how to take this fight yet. I don't, you know what I mean? It depends on how it plays out, whether you're the, you know, the, the king or the joker. You know, like, you win this fight, you now go 5-0 and in the UFC. Um, you're positioning yourself for bigger and better things, but now you're fighting a guy who's 1-0, and who's got a huge upside, um, who's already gone against OSP. So, I don't know. We'll see how this one plays out. But it's not the most exciting fight. It's not making me tune in. Shogun would have made me tune in, so... You know, Misha had the right idea of calling out, uh, you know, a guy on the way down, but uh, instead he's got a guy on the way up. Good point. Uh, and for those tuning in right now and wondering about uh, the lighting uh, from my end here, the actual... No one cares, Joe. No one cares. The less <laughs> lighting for you, the better, okay? No one cares about how bright your face is, how it makes you look all red right now. Joe didn't get the fake it bake today. He didn't do the spray tan, so he's complaining about the lighting in his room. Don't uh, I don't do fake and bake or spray tan. I did when I was younger, but I don't do it anymore. Last year. Yeah, so the light bulb in my room, ladies and gentlemen, the actual light went out. So I got a lamp uh, on the other side of my computer. So I do apologize if it looks a little dark, but all lights could be on. Uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor, if this fight actually goes down, it's becoming more of a reality, Sean. When I was in Mexico, believe it or not, uh, we only had so many different stations that were English uh, in our room, we had a lot of stations. A lot of them were obviously, uh, you know, Spanish or, or Latino. But ESPN was there, and they were talking McGregor and Mayweather nonstop, almost every day. And this thing is actually happening. Mayweather saying he's coming out of retirement to fight Conor McGregor, sign the contract. Conor, I'm the A guy. You're the B guy. I was the B guy when I fought De La Hoya, and I fought him, and I beat him. I was the B guy when I fought, I think it was Gotti, he said. Uh, but I went there, or Ward, or whoever it was, and he beat him. I became the A guy. You're the B guy, Conor McGregor. I'm the A guy. Sign the contract and shut up. Now, Elias Theodora says, hell no, it's Conor McGregor who's got the bigger name right now. He's the bigger pay-per-view draw than Floyd Mayweather. I'm not sure I agree with that. But this fight potentially could go down in June because that's what Mayweather wants, and that's around the time that Conor McGregor is looking to come back. This is a game-changer if it actually happens. Do you think it's actually going to happen, or is just the UFC going to be just holding this up and saying, no, not going to happen? I, I don't know, and I don't care. Until – the UFC comes out and says, we'll release Connor to have this fight happen. I don't even want to talk about it. It's irrelevant to me. It's two guys being smart, keeping their name in the media. Um, so I, you know, I understand why both Connor and Mayweather are doing this. Well, not so much Mayweather. Mayweather just wants to smack this guy around. But at the end of the day, the UFC still holds all the cards, right? I don't know when Connor McGregor's contract is up, but as far as I know, he can't do anything without their blessing. So until the UFC is going to make a big payday out of this, it's not going to happen. So you do you believe that even though Conor McGregor did get licensed uh, in the state of California as a boxer, which now technically puts him under the Muhammad Ali Act, you think he's not going to win that battle if it goes to court and the UFC is like, nope, he signed with us first before he became a boxer or whatever argument that they would probably use? I don't know. Either way, it ties it up for a long time, right? So it's not happening when he wants it to happen. Nope. Like, how, how long was Elvis tied up with, Bel- with Bellator? Who, sorry? Alvarez, wasn't that like a year? Yeah, his his contract was 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 a mess. And he ends up being the champion and left as a champion, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, so again, is McGregor in the same boat? He's the champion, wants to leave as the champion. I don't, 
again, all the power to him. Mayweather's going to tune him, but I, I don't think it's happening. Fair enough. What is happening, though, in the state of California, as we mentioned it earlier on, the California State Athletic Commission basically voted and said, if you miss weight, you not only lose 20% of your show money, you will now lose 20% of your bonus money if you are victorious. That's a whopping 40% of somebody's money if you emerge victorious. I mean, that, that's a steep price to pay. Uh, or do you think it's not enough? It's fair. As long as it's all going to the guy who fights, I'm, I'm fine with it. It won't. It won't. I think a portion yeah. is going to California and a portion is going to the fighter. Why, why does California deserve one penny of this money? That, that's where I, I get confused with all of this. And I know it, it's happened in other places, but when a fighter gets fined for missing weight for anything, he's competing against another athlete. That other athlete has the right to turn down that fight. And although we all know that there's pressure to take the fight when a guy misses by one pound, he should get all the money. No, the commission shouldn't get a, an ounce of it. I think you're bang on. I think you're right. I don't think the commission should touch that money. And I, I don't know what their reasoning is behind. Um, it's called. And it, better not, it better not be administrative because that's, that's hilarious. But um, I don't know if they give it to charity or what they do with it. But you're right. It should go to the other fighter. That, that money has been allocated by the promoter to the fighters. And if it means it's got to move from one pocket to the other pocket, I agree with that. I, I, don't, I don't think it should go uh, anywhere to the California State of the Commission. I, I don't know why they're doing it. I've got to look, look it up and maybe find out why. But, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely bang on. It makes no sense. Yeah, I'm the one taking the risk. I'm the one fighting the guy who didn't make weight. All the risk is on me if I get hurt. So, to me, you know, and, and or, or the situations like this, if I turn down that fight, I should get my, paid my full win and show money. And I know the UFC doesn't want to do that. So Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. It makes total sense. It, it, it could be an option, but the UFC would not buy that one bit. What they don't do or what there's been a miscommunication or something going on uh, with Tony Ferguson. As we all know, Tony Ferguson was to take on Habib Nurmagomedov during the last pay-per-view. Uh, Habib was hospitalized, uh, was unable to make weight, and the UFC paid Tony Ferguson his show money. Unfortunately, Tony Ferguson disagrees with the amount that he was given because he believes his show money was a lot more uh, in terms of what was contracted. The UFC is saying, no, 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 no. You know that this was the money you were going to get if something like this was going to happen. So now we have two sides to the story and we all know sometimes the truth is in the middle or someone's lying in this one. Uh, Tony Ferguson says he did not get all his money, Sean. The UFC says he got everything that, w- that he was contractually obligated to get. Your thoughts? Um. I think Ferguson's in the wrong here, depending on the conversations they've had. Technically, the UFC doesn't owe you $1. They did start paying athletes for this a while ago, but it's a different situation. You've got, you're talking six figures money here, six fingers for cash flow here. I'm told that he still receives six figures. And again, I know nothing, just what I've read. Um, The show money would have been larger to fight Habib. He actually turned down an alternative fight, and I'm not saying he shouldn't have but he still could have received the payday. So to me, if the UFC still gave him, let's say they give him 100 grand, there's six figures, 100 grand, but he has the opportunity still, let's say he has the opportunity to fight in a month. I, I don't believe he deserves the full, let's say 250,000 that maybe he thinks he's entitled to. If he takes that 250,000, maybe they say, okay, well, you don't fight for another year. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Like I. I feel like we're getting a little greedy here. And again, I want to be on the fighter's side because I want us to make as much money as possible. But also understand that you're not obligated to get any of this like, unless the contracts have changed. Um, when you're not fighting, you, you know, they're, they're giving you money because they understand all the, everything that you've gone through. But he does have an opportunity to fight in another month or two months if they can get something lined up for him. So again, I feel like depending on the situation and depending on what was said backstage which we'll never know. You know, I think you should just take the hundred grand or whatever you got and line up another fight right away. Keep yourself in the limelight. You're in line for the next title shot. You're, you're fighting a war that's not worth fighting. I think. Makes sense. Makes total sense. We're going to get to uh, a very quick preview of the UC fight night, uh, Manoa versus Anderson in a moment, but I do want to talk to you, Sean, very quick about UFC 211 in Dallas. It's beginning. It's just becoming an absolutely fantastic card. Uh, three belts announced while I was gone in Mexico, Frankie Edgar taking on Yair Rodriguez, Eddie Alvarez coming back after losing to Conor McGregor, losing that title, uh, taking on Dustin Poirier uh, and Henry Cejudo will be taking on Sergio Pettis and Pettis, obviously with that win, will probably put him, uh, 
within a title shot of Demetrius Johnson. Uh, first things first, Frankie Edgar versus Yaya Rodriguez. I think all the pressure here is on Frankie Edgar. You don't want this young buck uh, to come up here and, and, and take you out. I mean, your thoughts on this one? It's a dangerous fight after watching what he did to BJ Penn. I'm like, it's a fight. And again, Frankie's still with it, but he's getting up there too. And he needs some big wins quick, you know, if he wants to keep relevant in this division and do the things he wants to do. So I think it, it, that's a big fight. Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. That's a solid scrap there. Someone's going to sleep, I think. Yeah, I think someone's going to sleep. I think uh, it's a good fight, but unless they start talking about it, it's it's in a division where there's a lot of good talkers. And I mean, I'm not really feeling it yet, but again, they can change my mind there. I have, been an Alvarez fan for a long, long time. I know Dustin's a great fighter, but they got to make fans interested in that fight because you got to. You're in a division where, like we talked about earlier, people are calling each other out, people are talking shit, so they're getting the the face time and the media time. So you better start hyping this fight. Uh, and it's a division you don't really care much about, but the 125 Henry Cejudo taking on Sergio Pettis. Uh, any love for this fight at all? Yeah, there's love for like when Henry first came in, I, I thought he was going to be the one to take Dimitri. Like, I'm like, oh, he's got the, the tool bag. And I was proven well, well wrong on that fight. But, um, you know, I, I think that guy's got a lot of potential. Um, a little bit, I think his quickness actually surprised me. He showed me how fast Dimitri really is. And he's got a, a lot more to learn, but he's still a solid fighter. And I think that's a, it's an interesting fight. This is about this is an event that we're going to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to happen very early, not very early, early uh, in the day when it comes to UFC events here on Saturday. Uh, the event's taking place in London, England. Uh, Jimmy Manawa's headlining against Corey Anderson. Jimmy Manawa's a bad, bad man whenever he decides uh, to fight uh, like he's supposed to fight. Uh, and Corey Anderson's been on a bit of a run here as well. Uh, any love for this main event at all, or are you just going to be doing something else on Saturday? Sorry, who's fighting? <laughs> I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. You said Jimmy Manawa and who? Jimmy Manawa and Corey Anderson. Because when I saw Manawa versus Anderson, I thought Silva was fighting again. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this guy, is like, he's really picking it up. But um, Well, he's fighting Kelvin Gastelum. Anderson Silva's fighting Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, what do you think of that? Well, what? Gastelum's doing the right thing here, but I still, Anderson's Anderson. So I, I don't know. That, that's still a, a coin flip for me right now. That's an interesting fight. Um, just because I haven't written Anderson Silva completely off yet. Um, I know the dad bod's coming out in him too. And again, I feel bad saying this about the Brazilians, but it's been bad since the USADA testing. You know, I, I know people have been telling me what their records are. I don't know what they really are, but, you know, like Brazilian top team, you know, what's their record since USADA? It, the numbers that people throw at me aren't good. And the way they <laughs> look, People have been cheating a long time. You know what I mean? A long, long time. And it, it's it's getting exposed now. But uh back to the back to the silver. I'm not really gonna watch that fight. I'll I'll tape it. Um but that's I'll just spend that time with my wife. My wife is gorgeous, so you know what I mean? I'll just I gotta throw my wife some love, you know what I mean? I'm downstairs right now, she's putting the kids to bed, hate my hate me right now. So well, then we'll wrap this up real quick. Gunnar Nelson taking on Alan Joe Ben. Good fight. Uh, one what Gunner got exposed a little. One who exposed Gunner to me a little bit was uh, Rick Story. So this is an interesting fight. Again, Gunner is very dangerous everywhere, but it looks like you know standing up, he does not want to be a grinder. Um, on the ground, he's deadly, and Jabuin is a beast. Um, he just looks a really big, athletic welterweight. So interesting fight. Uh, Brad Pickett, uh, I believe most people thought he was retired. He's got one fight left. This is his goodbye fight taking on Marlon Vera. Do you think he uh, rides off into the sunset happy, or is he going to be really pissed off come Saturday? I don't know. I just like all his like little memes and his weigh-ins and his pretty little hat. He's a cool a cool dude. I don't know. I, I thought he was retired, too. I didn't know he was fighting until you told me. I honestly thought he retired. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, before we let you go, Sean Pierce, I'm not going to mention any other fights in this card. Uh, before we let you go, uh, what's going on with you over the next seven days before we catch up with you uh, next Wednesday here uh, on the Fightful MMA podcast? Well, I got my kids hockey. I got my kids hockey. Then I got my younger boys hockey. Then I'll spend some time with my wife. Then I might play men's league hockey. I'll hit the gym twice. Exciting life I got here, guys. Exciting life. 
Um, no, not just everyday life, buddy. Just uh, grinding it out. But look at my kids. I had, I had a flood in my house, so I'm in my kids' playroom. I got Batman up there, Silver <laughs> Surfer. What else we got over here? Oh, Flame, Superman, Wolverine. That's what I named my first son after, Logan. Pretty cool shit, though, eh? Look at that. Have you seen the new movie, Logan? No, I haven't yet. I just saw on the plane. Uh, it took me a while. I just saw um, friggin' X-Men Doctor Apocalypse? Strange. No, I already saw it. Doctor Strange, I saw. Oh, is that any good? That was a pretty good flick. It, I feel like it's a little one of those characters that's hard to bring into the the mix of it because he can do so much. I mean, he basically bends reality. He can do all this stuff. So it, I don't know how he plays in the mix of the the overall scheme of you know when they all come together. But the movie was pretty pretty well put together. I, I thought they were gonna have trouble with it, but they did a fairly good job of it. Cool. I'll, uh, I'm going to break that down. I'll have to watch that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much to Sean Pearson. Make sure you show him some love. Follow him online on social media at Sean Pearson. Uh, follow yours truly, Joe Farrow, at Showdown Joe. Of course, at Fightful MMA. And for all your mixed martial arts news, FightfulMMA.com. For those of you who tuned in live, we thank you very much. Uh, for those tuning in later on on iTunes and on Stitcher, we thank you as well. For now, we the say goodbye to... Stitcher. What? The fuck is Stitcher? Stitcher. <laughs> It's just another avenue that people use when it comes uh, to podcasts. How old am I? Like, I didn't even know the thing existed. <laughs> Dude, I haven't even got on Snapchat yet. People are all over me about Snapchat. I, well, I, no, the, the reason why you can't be on Snapchat is because they get to see you too. Good point. Good you, know point. I mean? you need to just keep on Instagram where you can look at other people's feeds. True enough. Very true. All right. So I'll just, according to Sean Pearson, I love you. I'm not getting, I wasn't going to get anyways, but there's my where's confirmation my right there. Where's my love? I love. I've always loved you, bro. I'm the one who called you and wanted you to be on this podcast, despite my hatred for you. I mean, my love for you. Uh, I wanted to have you on here, but uh, yeah, make sure you give him a follow, ladies and gentlemen, at Sean Pearson. Tomorrow, don't forget Frank Trigg, 12:30 p.m. Eastern. It'll be 7:30 a.m. Uh, in Hawaii. Who knows what he's up to? I think he's actually in California. So who knows? Between him and Elias, you know, Sean and I are cool. We're at home. We do our thing at home. Those two guys, we have no idea where they're ever going to be but tomorrow frank trigg will join me and talk about all kinds of stuff here uh just like sean very opinionated very opinionated whenever he speaks but like i said thank you to everyone who tuned in live thank you to everyone who tuned in who will be tuning in later on on itunes uh stitcher and whatever else sean and i don't know about uh but we thank you and ciao for now When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.